You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert, Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. Listen, you know this, I know this. Today, more than ever, a lot of the things we've accepted as normal when it comes to our health, when it comes to nutrition and medicine, things that we've accepted as normal are anything but. But the beautiful part is that today, more than ever, more people are taking responsibility and beginning to learn about some of these things that we've come to accept as just the way it is. And today we're really talking about one of those huge, huge things that's going on behind the scenes that a lot of people have been kind of shrouded in mystery and miseducation about, and this is the birth control pill. And for me personally, this is one of those situations where, you know, when I was growing up, we were just kind of, you know, what you don't know can't hurt you. I'm here to say that what you don't know can absolutely hurt you. And we need to be educated about, you know, when it comes to our medicines that we're taking, supplements, foods, the whole nine. We don't want to leave anything off the table. We want to become empowered because we have this information right at our fingertips right now, but we have to ask the right questions. And so I wanted to do a masterclass to talk about something that is wildly pervasive in our culture today because we're talking about millions upon millions upon millions of people taking the pill and just asking the question, is this okay? Is this normal? Is this safe? And personally, the pill is part of the reason that I got into the health and wellness space in the in the first place, as crazy as it sounds. So for me, making this switch and even why the Model Health Show exists partially is because of the pill. Let me explain why. And I'm going to preface this with a study. This study was published in The Lancet all the way back in 2007, found a clear indication that women who use oral contraceptives, i.e. the pill, have an increased risk of developing cervical cancer. And this study, which was conducted by University of Oxford in England, went on to also find that the risk of cancer drops quickly once the pill is stopped. Now, for me, this all came right to the forefront because of my wife and her. Uh, this is when we were in college, and so she was my girlfriend at the time. Got to play a little bit of that girlfriend song right now from NSYNC. Play just a little bit. All right, so that's how I was feeling, all right? I was in my feelings, all right? Just, you know, how you get the nervousness and that kind of thing. But, you know, everything was going great. We're in college. You know, we're about to graduate, get these degrees on degrees on degrees, all right? And all of a sudden, she goes for her exam, just a, quote, routine pap smear, and she's told that she has cervical cancer cells. And she's just floored. And she calls me crying. And... I'm just shocked because when I hear the C word, historically, all I knew is that that's like, that's a wrap. Like something bad is going to happen from here on out. And I, I advised her to call her mother, which her mother is, I've talked about many on the, many times on the show. She's like one of my greatest inspirations and has really opened my eyes because of the way that she communicated to me and also just her knowledge of nutrition. Because at the time I was a strength conditioning coach. I didn't even know that there was any of this other stuff. I didn't know how much food mattered. And I told her to, you need to tell your mom, like, I don't know what to do. And so she told her mom about the situation and her mom was like, you know, calm down. 
why are you crying? All you need to do is this, this, and this, and laid out her protocol for her to do. And funny enough, many of the things that she told her to do back then are some of the things that are in this incredible new book that we're gonna be talking about today. Long story short, she went 30 days later, well, 31 days later to be exact, and got another test done, and they couldn't find any of these cancer cells. And when I heard this firsthand, I didn't know that that was possible. And it changed my paradigm. Like I just, it flipped a switch in me. And I started to think very differently because at the time I was working with clients in the gym who were coming in like, you know, Sean, I'm trying to get in shape, but I also, I'm dealing with fibroid tumors or I'm on metformin for diabetes or I'm on all these statins for, and the list goes on and on and on. I start to think, wait a minute, maybe you don't have to have these issues. Let's start to find some ways to address these underlying causes. And so I shift the coursework completely in college over to biology and kinesiology and learning everything that I could about the human body, in addition to what I was already learning on the side as I was transforming my own health. And from there, opening my clinical practice and working in, in nutrition, and eventually, of course, leading to the Model Health Show being here. And it all started with the pill, you know, a big part of it, not, not all of it, but it was a big part of this story because... Step one was her getting off the pill because it was something that was having some big impact on what her hormones were doing. And we know this from past episodes, I've talked about this many times, like when we have this conversation about hormones, what, the, what are hormones? These are chemical messengers that send signals that help the cells in your body to communicate. So you have upwards of 100 trillion cells that make you up and all those cells are communicating. It should be a nice, well-run society of cells but there can be civil unrest if the hormonal communication is off. It's gonna be, it's like a game of telephone, right? You're trying to telephone, you know, you tell somebody a little, you know, uh, I love you. And then it gets to the end of it. And, and it's like the eighth person's like, you smell like hot garbage, right? It's just like how that progression get there. It's the hormones are off, the communication is off. And this is going on in our bodies all the time. So we wanna make sure that our hormone health is on point. And as you'll learn today, the pill is one of the most influential things that people are regularly taking today without question that are influencing their hormone function. And so I want to share that story with you because it's a, it's a big part of why I'm here doing what I do and for us to just start to ask more questions and to become empowered. And I think you're really, really gonna love this episode today. Before we do that, I wanna share something with you that now that we are married, you know, we started off, you know, the dating process. When my wife met me, she would say that I was in some ways uh, a little old lady inside of a man's body because of my couponing, all right? I had a drawer, I had a coupon drawer. I was all about the coupons, you know? And I started there, whether it was, you know, getting my high fiber cereal, whatever it was, you know, my fancy whole grain bread. I, it was levels to this, guys, but I was couponing to try and save money because eating healthier is a little bit more expensive. But today the game has changed and you know, we've got great organizations out there like Whole Foods that curate and bring in a lot of organic and non-GMO and all the stuff that we're looking for, paleo foods, vegetarian foods, but there's a pretty big markup and some people call Whole Foods, the nickname is Whole Paycheck, all right? We can spend a lot of money there. So what this company set out to do was to provide the same products you'd find at places like Whole Foods, but at costs that are sometimes 50% less than what you see at Whole Foods. All right, so we're talking on average 25 to 50% less the retail price. And so this is where I'm buying my coconut oils, um, my nut butters, bars for my kids, 
Uh, you, you want kale chips? We got kale chips. All right. Also, personal care products. This is a big thing that we've been talking about lately as well. Without all these crazy synthetic uh, chemicals and things that influence your hormones, which we'll talk about today. And again, 25 to 50% off the price that you'd be paying at a place like Whole Foods. What am I talking about? I'm talking about Thrive Market. All right, get your box. Order from Thrive Market ASAP and start saving money. We're on track to save $1,000 this year. And you might be like, that's a lot of money. How are you saving that much? How much you spend on food? I have two boys. Right? I have two sons. You got to understand, he's, even the little guy, you know, he's a, he's a slim and trim little fella, but he can eat. All right, and and provided for the kids, and also my wife, you know, we 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 do our thing as well. We're foodies. We like to to eat. This can save us a lot of money on the back end. And when you put all that together, you can use that as an investment in something else. Maybe it's a trip for your family. Maybe it's paying a bill. You know, you can use those savings and and funnel those to something else. So that's why I really love Thrive Market. All right, so head over to thrivemarket.com forward slash model health, and in addition to the 25 to 50% off you're already saving, your first purchase, you're gonna get an additional 25% off your entire cart, all right? I know it sounds too good to be true, but it is true. And you get free shipping, all right? And you get a free 30-day membership, and you're gonna wanna keep the membership because it's just gonna keep paying you back over and over and over again. All right, so head over there, check them out, thrivemarket.com forward slash model health. And on that note, let's get to the Apple Podcast Review of the Week. Another five-star review titled Life Forever Changed by Chell019. I cannot thank you enough for this podcast and doing what you're doing, Sean. You have single-handedly changed my life and entire outlook on health. I have felt lost and overwhelmed by the health and wellness field that I didn't know where to start to get healthy. And now I believe that this is something that I can achieve. As a therapist, I've also been able to convey your important health messages to my clients to help their mental and emotional well-being. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. This is the best podcast I have ever listened to, and I have learned so much from you in just a few short weeks. Keep doing what you're doing. I would love to meet you one day and tell you in person. Wow, thank you so much for leaving that review over on Apple Podcasts. It truly, truly means so much to me. And thank you again, just really thank you for sharing a little bit of your story and, and thank you for the work that you're doing as well. And I'm just very grateful to be a part of that. And everybody, if you've yet to do so, please pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the show, all right? It means everything. And on that note, let's get to our special guest and topic of the day. Our guest today is the incredible Dr. Jolene Brighton. And she is the leading expert in women's medicine and is a pioneer in her exploration of the far-reaching impact of oral contraceptives and their little-known side effects. After many years of clinical practice, she has developed a unique protocol to support women in preventing and treating post-birth control syndrome, as well as lowering the risk that the pill has created. A trained nutritional biochemist and naturopathic physician, Dr. Brighton is the founder and clinic director at Rubus Health, an integrative women's medicine clinic with locations in California and Oregon. And she is here on the Model Health Show right now. And I'd like to welcome my friend, Dr. Jolene Brighton. What's going on? Hey there. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. Thank you for coming to see me. Yeah, I got to come to Missouri for the first time. And we have Arch. Yeah, you, yeah, so you have a big Arch. <laughs> well, I'm very grateful to see you, and your book has just been blowing my mind. Really, really. It's just like the whole book is highlighted thus far, and just so many insights. And 
I didn't really think about my story with my wife until mm-hmm. reading the book, like the really, the in-depth parts of it. I've mentioned it before a time or two on the show, but you really just bring in a lot of light to this situation. But before we get to it, I want to ask you about you mm-hmm. and your superhero origin story. <laughs> what got you interested in health and wellness in the first place? Oh, gosh. Like, I have been a nerd since day one. So as a child, I actually was fascinated with anatomy books, um, reading about herbal medicine, like every bit of information I could glean. And at a very young age, I became interested in food as medicine. Now, the interesting thing, you know, about my background, I actually was going to go study gut health. Like I was going to be a gut doc. So as a kid, I developed chronic gastritis. I would have heartburn, throwing up after meals. Like these are, that's not something that should happen to a seven-year-old. You have a seven-year-old. That's not a normal thing. And so a long time went until the doctors couldn't find out what was wrong with me and they concluded, okay, it's in your head. She wants attention, she has an eating disorder, all these things got thrown around. Then a decade later, a doctor I went and saw actually read the study about H. pylori. And so he was like, we should actually test this. So second time I'm having an endoscopy under the age of 18, and lo and behold, I had a bacterial infection in my stomach the entire time. And so what was told to me that was all in my head, um, and this happens a lot in women's medicine, and yes. it's a it's a very, yeah. I'm like, of course I had to have that experience. I had to wake up a lot sooner to how quickly a doctor can be to dismiss your symptoms. So with that, uh, I went through all the treatment. They told me you're going to be on a proton pump inhibitor for life. This was before they were over the counter. They weren't studied in children or adolescents. And um, I started them and my head was like disconnected from my body is what it felt like. And my doctor's like, you have to take this every day for the rest of your life. And I was like, there's <laughs> there's no way I'm taking a pill every day for the rest of my life. Now, the funny thing is, I was like, I can't do that. Oh, sign me up for birth control pill. Like mm, that I can do. Right. Um, but there was a lot of benefits that, you know, my doctor told me about with that. So, uh, you know, with that, I started to make the connection that if I ate refined carbs and like drank orange juice, like I would get heartburn. And so if I just changed my food and my doctor, when I asked him, like, what if I changed my diet? He kind of laughed at me. And he was like, yeah, no, there's no research to support that. I'm like, but I'm noticing this correlation here. Now, the really funny thing uh, uh, in this situation is at this time I'm working in dentistry. Um, So I'm actually coming up on 22 years of working in the health and wellness industry and in medicine altogether. So I'm in dentistry. I'm like, this is going to be my career. I become a registered dental assistant. And I'm working with these two dentists who were awesome. And they sat me down. One day they pulled me in the office and I was like, I'm in trouble. And they were like, you are so smart. What are you doing with your life? Now, my entire childhood, I actually got this story from my parents of like, you should marry somebody to take care of you. Like you should find somebody to take care of you and find a vocation and you're not smart enough to go to college. So this is the first time anyone had told me that I was smart enough to go to college. And so I did. And I was like, I'm going to go study nutrition. But then I fell in love with chemistry. So I got a degree in chemistry, then nutritional biochemistry, concurrently studying clinical nutrition. I'm not kidding when I say I'm a nerd. Um, And then I was getting my master's. So I was actually doing research in sarcopenic obesity, which is where we get rid of muscle cells and instead decide we're going to insert some fat in there. And so I was doing research on utilizing branched chain amino acids to prevent that. And I was looking at getting my PhD. I actually had a full ride scholarship to go get my PhD and I left it to go to naturopathic school. And um, everybody thought I was crazy at the time. 
but I came to this place where I recognized that I had a whole lot of science in my background, but what I was missing was respect and a philosophy that respected the healing power of the body, what nature has done. Because I'll tell you right now, like, the body never gets it wrong. Nature doesn't get it wrong. Humans, we get it wrong all the time. That's part of being a human. Um, and that's something that I like, you know, as I was working, you know, and some of my research was in uh, recombinant DNA technology, which is like manipulating the genetics of plants. And I was the only person like really asking, well, what does this do to the nutritional quality? Like, what's the long-term impact on this? And so that propelled me into going to naturopathic medical school. i actually applied. They were like, you won't be able to get in for a year. And I got a call like two weeks later. They're like, someone dropped out. Can you be here in a few weeks? And I was like, done, moved. Wow. And just, I, this once I, I'm like, can be slow to decide. But once I decide, I'm just like, I'll be on the fence. And then I just like jump and sprint on it. Um, and through all of that, the thing I have to acknowledge is I did the pill for 10 years. I'm a first generation college student. I'm the first one in my family not to have a baby before age 20. Uh, my whole family just thought I was infertile by the time I got to 30. <laughs> like, what is she doing? Um, and I can absolutely be grateful that I had the pill to use as a tool so that I could achieve my goals. Yeah, and that's one of the things you talk about in the book. And by the way, your story is amazing. And also just that divine timing with that person dropping out. That's amazing. But you talk about how, you know, it's the benefit. One of the big benefits is that since the pill has been out there, we've seen this incredible increase in women in higher learning institutions mm -hmm. and um, bigger careers and making more money and all these things that correlate with that because they're now able to control take back ownership in a sense, mm -hmm. where it was just very out of women's hands in a sense. And I do see the benefit there, but you are here to say that there is a better way. And you shared, was it, is it 60% of women who are given the pill are for reasons that don't have anything to do with actually controlling birth? Yeah, so the studies have shown 58%. Some have shown as high as 65%. The primary reason is for symptom management. And when you add that up to 100 million women worldwide taking the pill, that's not insignificant by any means. And uh, and that's really the whole thing is like, you know, uh, people have a really hard time with the fact I'm not so black and white. Like I have to, I mean, I've been talking about this for a, a while now and I've had a lot of haters and I feel like um, I have to stand up and be like, hi, I'm Dr. Brighton. I am not anti-birth control every time because people are like, you're either for it or you're against it. And I'm like, it's not my body. And so at the end of the day, you need to be informed to make the best decision for yourself and be supported in that. And so as the book has come out, People have been like, oh, well, you're, you're anti-birth control. You're telling everyone to get off of it. And I'm like, if you read the book, you're going to see I got you either way. Like whatever you decide, I just want you to feel like you made the best decision and then know how to talk to your doctor about it. But I do take issue with passing a woman uh, the pill or any hormonal contraceptive with no discussion of what's happening in her body. So yes. with like PCOS, endometriosis, hypothyroidism, these present with period problems and doctors are like, I have the pill for every female ill and that's what's in their toolkit. Doctors are not bad. They want you to feel better and they've been taught this will help. But the problem is, is it delays diagnosis and I'm sure we're going to talk a lot, a lot more about this, but can actually make some of these conditions worse and women aren't told that, hey, yeah, the maybe the stroke or heart attack risk is low in the general population because we did this study on a small set of the population that was healthy, but you have a pre-existing condition already, your risk is different. So one of the things that you talk about in the book is how 
and you mentioned this a little bit earlier, that women's health problems are largely dismissed. You know, this one of the things you hear a lot is that it's all in your head. And in fact, you actually cite a study. This was in the New England Journal of Medicine report in 2000, a study that women were seven times more likely to be discharged and misdiagnosed while having a heart attack. What? I know. Can you even believe that? That's crazy. Yeah. That's like crazy. women are dying at higher rates than, than men of heart attacks all because of this medical gender bias that exists. And part of it is that, you know, they just started like researching us like a couple decades ago. Like the, re <laughs> it's so funny. The FDA and the research is like, we're just going to research men and then we're going to say it applies to men. And we're going to take all this data on men. We're going to apply it to women. Cause like same, same. And I'm like, hold up. I created an entire human in my body. I think there's something different going on here. I'm a cyclical creature. Like my hormones ebb and flow every single day and throughout an entire month. Um, it's shocking, right? And it's even something like, when I started talking about post-birth control syndrome, doctors were saying, that's not real. And I still get people who are like, that's not real. And I, to that, I say, will you tell the thousands upon thousands of women who have been talking about this since you introduced the pill back in the 1960s, it's not real. Because that old story in medicine of like everything a woman talks about and complains about, like we'll pass her a medication and we'll tell her to go get some counseling and it's just all in her head. It's, it's old. It yeah. needs to change. It's not okay. No, it's, it's not, okay. not okay. We die of heart attacks at a higher rate. The other thing is that we are less likely to receive adequate care when it comes to pain. Like you can talk to a woman with endometriosis and she'll tell you like how many doctors she had to go to. And they're like, you're just having some period pain. Just take some ibuprofen. But that's what I set out to do in my book is to educate women so that they can have that discussion with their doctor, that they can enter into that discussion with their doctor knowing this is what we should be investigating based on my symptoms. This is the data I have from tracking my body. And like, here's the labs I'd like to see get done. Yeah. And you mentioned the different labs as well in the book. There's so many different protocols. It is fantastic. Every women's health concern uh, in regards to, you know, and by the way, so just really quick, a preface for this is um, one of the reasons that the pill is used is basically it's just masking symptoms. It's not mm -hmm. addressing the underlying cause. Why are you having the heavy periods? Why are you having so much pain during your cycle? Uh, what, why is your cycle so sporadic and irregular? Mm -hmm. There's a reason your body, you say that your body is giving you and your period gives you so much information about your health and it's being used as one of the new vital signs. Yeah, well, I mean, and that comes from conventional medicine. ACOG in 2015 named it a vital sign. And this is something that, you know, when my patients sit down with me, I pass them a journal and we go through all the data they have to track. I mean, labs are one snapshot in time. And it's when things are really bad that labs start to show us things. Like yeah. you're gonna know just by paying attention to your body, you're gonna know way before a lab shows it and way before you even get a diagnosis that something is off. Off. And you know, this is something that I, I think all of us, I, I, this is when I set out to write this book, I wanted to write, I wrote to my 14 year old self, okay, when I got my period, what did I need to know? My 17 year old self, okay, when I started the pill, what do I wish my doctor would have told me? And then beyond that, and it's why it's called beyond the pill is that we're going beyond the pill when it comes to solutions, because for decades now, it's been the only solution aside from a hysterectomy or IVF, just depending on where you're at in your life cycle, women deserve better than that. And this idea that 
uh, you know, your menstrual cycle is too complicated to understand. And like, these are the kind of stories that have been, you know, passed around along with your symptoms are your body's way of betraying you. Again, that's the old story. Like the new story that I think the millennials are really leading the charge in. And we're seeing a lot of people wake up to is that symptoms are your body's way of communicating to you. Your body would never betray you. Like it's, why would your body try to sabotage you? It makes no sense. And we have to start honoring and respecting the wisdom of the body. It's not just a vehicle to get you to death. Like it's in it to win it with you. Like it is here because it, you, I mean, you should be working together. And if you have these symptoms, it's an opportunity to listen and to dive in. Oh, we're just going to drop the mic right here. This is <laughs> it's so powerful. Um, I, um, I would really love to talk about, since this is the, the topic of the conversation, how does it actually work? How does the pill work? How does it work in women's bodies? Oh, my gosh. You know, and for anybody who's listening who's like, whoa, I've been on the pill for like more than a decade. I mean, we see a lot of women and women will write me and they'll say, I'm so ashamed I never knew how the pill worked. I didn't know how the pill worked until I got to medical school. And like you, I didn't even know how my period worked or what, like that I was only fertile one day out of the month until I was in medical school. Like you shouldn't have to have a medical education to understand how your body works or this pharmaceutical. So understand this, when you take the pill, you're taking a high enough dose of synthetic hormones, generally estrogen and progestin. There is the mini pill, which is progestin only. It's not as effective. So it's not, it's not the leader in the race. But with that, it's a high enough dose to pass through your liver and still shut down brain and ovarian communication. So it stops your brain and ovaries from communicating, which is why whenever a doctor challenges me when I say, the pill can't fix your period. It can't fix your hormones. It won't fix your hormone imbalance. And I'll have doctors who are like, no, it absolutely does because their symptoms are gone. I'm like, so if you, if someone had gut symptoms, if they had IBS and then you just decided to like shut down their entire gut, doesn't work anymore. Did you really fix what was going on or did you just shut down an entire system? And that's usually a light bulb moment where they're like, oh, I'm like, yeah, it's essentially, you just put the, it's, you know, I have a good friend who's actually, she said it's so much like a chemical castration, like a temporary chemical castration for women because your ovaries stop working and they actually shrink while you're on it, which is they, they can come back. You know, people hate it on Kim Kardashian. I just have to like say, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't follow the Kardashians, but I did come across this study where uh, Kim Kardashian said she felt like being on birth control aged her ovaries. And that made me curious. As soon as you see haters like come in, like they just fly in left and right, that's where you got to get really curious of like, what? Why are they so triggered by this? And when you get into the research, it's like, oh, yeah, if you do, if you look at her ovaries, if you look at labs, they look like they've aged. Now, the research has also shown that that can come back, but we need more, we need more research to understand that. Uh, I came across a study that found that basically the impact, even with the cervical cancer, so mm -hmm. just that as an example, they found that as soon as the, the woman came off of the pill, that their risk started to drop dramatically, but it mm -hmm. took 10 years before it got back to that level of just baseline from yeah. being on the pill. It takes time. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing that you talk about is basically supporting that transition of mm -hmm. having the uh, post-pill uh, syndrome, basically. And so I want to talk about knowing some of the issues with the communication with the brain and the ovaries. Mm -hmm. Can we talk a little bit about 
the role of estrogen and progesterone in the cycle itself. So oh, yeah. I think that would help make a little bit more sense. For Should folks. we go through the whole menstrual cycle? Yes, let's All do right, that. Because they give you superpowers. This is like the biggest thing they've tried to keep women in the dark on. They're like, your hormones, like being a woman is inherently awful and your hormones are always just going to be chaotic. And in fact, they actually give you superpowers. It's the best kept secret of being a woman. Let's <laughs> so, go, yes. yes. Now, uh, like I said, it took me uh, many physiology classes to actually wrap my head around a menstrual cycle. So for everybody listening, you might want to rewind, write it down, come back to this, and no worries if you do. So day one, we call the first day of your period. That's when we see blood flow. That was triggered by a drop in estrogen and progesterone. So that triggers day one. That leads you into the follicular phase. So there's three phases of the menstrual cycle. There's the follicular phase, the ovulatory phase, and the luteal phase. Now, some people will say, the period is a separate is separate from the follicular phase. And, and you'll hear that a lot because it's like you feel a little bit different when you're on your period. But in medicine, the goal of the follicular phase is to get an egg ready for ovulation. And that's starting while you're still having your period. So the average period is anywhere from three to five days. And in that time, follicle-stimulating hormones, so that's FSH, talking to your ovaries, says, let's get ready. <laughs> We're going to ovulate. And that causes estrogen to rise. Now, estrogen... She's the diva in the follicular phase. And she, as you read in my book, she's the, the I call the va-va-voom, estrogen boom, which gives you like the full lips, the full breast, hips. That's where we go through the maturation process. And it starts to make us look sexier and sexier as we get closer to ovulation. Because again, nature's smart. <laughs> so with that, you're ramping up your estrogen and you're, pre you're preparing the egg, you're preparing your endometrial tissue. And then, you know, somewhere around day 10-ish, you are going to find your libido is rising because testosterone now steps onto the scene. And again, nature's really smart. So we are only fertile as gals for about 24 hours. However, sperm can live five plus days. And so I actually used to teach when I was in grad school, I used to teach biology some mammals have crypts where they store sperm. They can store sperm for a long time. And I've always mm. said, like, I bet women do that too. Mm. And then the study came out this year, and my husband's like, how do you always know this stuff? Yeah. I'm like, you just pay attention yeah, to like, sense. just look at it like another mammal. Like we're, we're all animals. So about five days or so that sperm will live. So that's why libido rises. And then you're like, oh, now I'm in the mood. That's where if you're practicing fertility awareness method, you need to be considering where is that, where is that sperm headed? So after that, we're going to spike estrogen and luteinizing hormone. So that's LH. And that is going to trigger the release of an egg. You also, your basal body temperature will rise at that time. So women who are tracking their temperature can actually see a spike in that. You release the egg. It's around 24 hours and you must ovulate. Okay. If you are in your fertile years, you want to be ovulating. And I say this because women will say, well, I don't want to have a baby. So I don't want to ovulate. But when we ovulate, what's left behind in the ovaries is the corpus luteum. That's going to secrete progesterone. Now progesterone rises in the luteal phase. And it again is getting, this is all designed to help you have a baby. So it's getting the endometrial tissue ready, but it's also stimulating the GABA receptor in your brain. So you feel really chill and calm. It's a diuretic. So we're not feeling bloated. Like it's got a lot of benefits. We're sleeping really well. But if there is no egg and meat sperm, no fertilization, then those hormones drop and your period starts again. So this is what's like really important to understand is that a lot of times in the research, they will say, oh, progesterone causes depression, anxiety, these issues. Progesterone is doing all these bad things in your body. And when you look, 
they're actually talking about progestin. So for, you know, for people who are listening right now, if you understand that nature and you as a woman, you make progesterone, men have some too, but we mainly have the progesterone. You make progesterone. Synthetic progestin is made in the lab. The lab doesn't make progesterone. You can start to understand like why it is so confusing to doctors and researchers, like what's going on in all of this. So progestin, the synthetic stuff that's in the pill, doesn't replace progesterone in the same way. It actually has been shown to alter the female brain. So they've done scans. Your brain looks different while you're using progestin. And in addition, the pill is blocking ovulation. So there is no natural progesterone. And that's what you want. Like if you don't want a baby, you don't want to ovulate. Yeah. And not having that natural production, that's going to lead to some obvious side effects. But it's not really a side effect. It's a direct effect yeah. <laughs> of taking the pill. And we just accepted that it's normal and it's mm -hmm. anything but. So, wow. I want to talk about, so I heard you on another interview as, a, you know, just looking I into I talk your, a lot. <laughs> and uh, there was a study that you mentioned that found women who get pregnant within six months of coming off hormonal birth control have a higher risk of having a child who develops a childhood cancer. And when I heard that, I was just kind of taken back by that. And why? What is the connection there? Because a lot of women come off of the pill mm -hmm. to as a decision to now I'm going to have a, a baby and to know that there can be some potential. First of all, we see some issues with fertility in and of itself mm -hmm. for a lot of women, but that there can be potential problems or challenges with our kids is really kind of scary. And again, I know that you're very much not placing blame or pointing fingers. We just need to become educated because yeah. we don't know we don't know and we're doing the best that we can. Oh, totally. And that's something that like nobody's ever been served by judging themselves based on their past. Like you take those lessons and you do better the next day. Like today and tomorrow is always an opportunity to do better. So we're not judging anybody. And um so yeah, the, you know, what's really interesting about this study is that I actually, you know how it goes writing a book. So I submitted the manuscript, manuscript goes in. It's like a boomerang. It just keeps coming back. You're like, I'm done. Nope, I'm done. Nope. And so what was really cool though, is that study came out and they sent me the manuscript one last time. And they were like, we actually need you to like, we have to cut out on this page and you know, the final tweaks. And I was like, and that, I need to get this study in the book. So the manuscript was already written where I said, you need, to, you need to prep your body six months or more when you come off of birth control. This is just something I've observed clinically is that if women didn't spend a good six months, I mean, two years is ideal, but like when you want a baby, you want a baby like yesterday. So like nobody's gonna love me for saying that. But with that, I observed clinically that women had easier pregnancies, easier postpartum, baby, baby had less issues when they had done their due diligence and prepped their body for a good six months. So then this study came out. My husband was actually like, how did you know that? I'm like, I didn't know that. I didn't know it caused cancer. I had no idea. I just made these observations and we don't totally know why, but I have, I have some hypotheses um, you know, surrounding that. So one is the pill messes with your microbiome. So it will actually lower microbial diversity and it leads to leaky gut. Your microbiome as a mama becomes baby's microbiome. So that's, that you are passing on the microbiome and that's gonna set up baby's immune system for life. So we know 70 plus percent of the immune system lives in the gut. So for everybody listening, like those gut bugs have a really big impact on our children. So there's that piece. There's also that you are depleting nutrients while you're on birth control. So 
If you get pregnant immediately, you're entering into pregnancy nutrient depleted. So things like folate, pretty important. B12, all nutrients are really important. But with like pregnancy, we always pay more attention to folate, B12. Like selenium and uh, zinc, like these things that are involved in the immune system, thyroid, I mean, antioxidants. So there's that piece as well. Then there's also a little more controversial piece, and that is that while we're on birth control, it actually alters our mate selection to where we select for mates who are more genetically identical to us. So in my book, I basically say like the pill makes you attracted to your cousin and everybody goes, ew. <laughs> and like, yeah, right. Ew. Like, but you, you select a mate differently. And so there is a possibility there that that alteration and when, how we do mate selection, what's happening with the microbiome, what's happening with nutrient depletions, um, and the fact that it's depleting antioxidants that affect the mitochondria. The mitochondrial DNA is part of the female lineage that we pass on to all of our children. So there's, it's, it's very complicated and it's one of those things that everybody always wants it to be one thing or one variable. And that's how like, that's how science works, but it's also why science has a lot of limitations is that they're like, I want it to be clean and simple, but nature is not clean and simple. The female body, it's cycles. It looks chaotic if you are a researcher, but in that there's a lot of variables at play. And so, you know, it's, it's great to see the research coming out. It's also making me question, why haven't we seen more research sooner? Like, how long have we had birth control around and we haven't been questioning these things? And a big part of it is because it was taboo. To question birth control was to question a woman's right, to question the women's movement. And I've had people, I've had people call me the anti-Margaret Sanger, um, anti-feminist, wow. anti-women, like all these things that I like... Um, they always give me really good giggles um, because I'm like, no, that's not what it's about. Like we need to question everything. And we are at a point where we are so far advanced in our understanding that we also need to start questioning through the lens of what's true for us because there is a lot of true information out there, but it may not be true for you. Yeah, we are so connected. I was literally writing a note down about <laughs> that attraction factor because you mentioned the book and this is something I've come across many times and it just how beautiful and powerful everything about us you know the human body is because we and this is very unconscious mm -hmm. but when uh, a woman's body is in balance or just we'll just say just a general state of health you are subconsciously seeking out partners who have a different immune system than you mm -hmm. correct diversity because we're looking for that evolutionary advantage constantly and by taking the pill, because it disrupts that microbiome where a large part of your immune system is, what you've seen and what you, the study you cite in the book is that we, then you'll start to shift over and tend to be more attracted to people who have a similar immune system. Mm -hmm. Number one, we're creating a less optimal situation for our kids in the first place, but also getting attracted potentially is some Game of Thrones stuff. Let's yeah, just be honest. Totally. There's some Jamie oh Lannister going on, but we're connected because, <laughs> you know, today... I just, I was getting ready, you know, and I just got, Prince just jumped into my mind. And <laughs> I started thinking about this performance, which my son plays this at least once a month, honestly, my 18-year-old son, of James Brown. is just like some kind of vintage footage. It's out there on YouTube. Just Google, or I'm sorry, YouTube, uh, James Brown, Michael Jackson. And my, Michael Jackson just came to the show. And James Brown pointed him out. He made him come up on stage. You know, Michael Jackson's reluctant. He's like, no, I don't want, you know, and he can't, he comes up and he puts on a little, you know, does a couple moves. And then James like, there's somebody else here. Prince is in the audience. 
and you know Prince and Michael they you know the pitted them against each other you know in the media and so Prince comes up Michael steps to the side and he's like doing his thing you know being extra Prince and he was getting off the stage and he thought that the the light pole which was a prop was a real thing and he he kind of grabbed it and tried to jump off stage and he fell off stage but his big bodyguard caught him because he's a small guy um and then I thought about Dave Chappelle and the Charlie Murphy story and Prince Hoopin. I thought about, okay, he takes off the heels and he puts on the basketball shoes and that kind of thing. And come to find out, you come in today and who do you talk about? You talk about Prince. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm wearing this jacket because it makes me feel like Prince, which like, and I have to tell you, I was thinking about Prince and Charlie Murphy as well last night because my Lyft driver was talking all about pancakes in the pancake house. And I was (laughs) thinking about like how they played basketball (laughs) and then he served some pancakes and like, and then, oh man, and Dave Chappelle. Yeah, I can't quote it because this is PG-13. <laughs> yes, but your jacket is fantastic. Thank you. Beautiful. I love your outfit. And <laughs> wow, so we're super connected. And on that note, I want to talk about, so the pill really masks symptoms, just like a lot mm-hmm. of drugs do, obviously. You know, it's not treating the underlying cause. And what often happens is, you know, we're getting feedback from our bodies that we need to change. That's why we have these symptoms. And something is not quite right. Mm-hmm. And we can use those symptoms as an opportunity to kind of navigate and find a place of health with that said part of the the issues that we see with having the pill prescribed for something other than preventing birth uh is has to do with estrogen dominance Mm -hmm. so i want to talk about number one estrogen dominance and i want to talk about specifically the connection between estrogen and the liver Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, like, the liver's everything. <laughs> yes, live, live-er. I used to teach advanced human metabolism, and the joke was always like, if you don't know the answer, just write in liver. Just write liver. <laughs> It'll be right. Because it does 50, everything. 50. And yeah. I actually wanted to call the chapter in my book, it's like, it's birth control detox 101. And I wanted to call it the liver chapter. And like, good on my publishers. They're always thinking about the reader experience. And they're like, nobody wants to read the liver chapter. I'm like, everybody want you want to read this chapter. Make, make the liver sexy. Yeah, yeah. So we made it sexy. I think it's sexy. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just be honest. It's, it's, you know, it's okay. The it's not a pretty good. organ, but man, what it does for you. So, you know, what's very... It's the, it's the organ you marry, <laughs> right? You hook up with the, you know, the kidneys and then <laughs> you marry the heart, right? <laughs> Kill the gallbladder. Because there's this marry, kill... Never mind. Oh, no, never I mind. do know that. Never mind. All right. As you were saying... <laughs> And I always I like to joke that the gallbladder is like a designer purse to the to the liver. So like if you were gonna lose your designer purse, like how would you feel if a doctor's like, yeah, that bag cost you three thousand dollars? Just get rid of it. You'd be like, wait a minute, mm. wait a minute. Think of your gallbladder the same way. Think of your gallbladder as a Louis V. Yeah. And- yeah, you'll, you'll treat it much differently. I came up with that, though. I was, as I shared with you, I was living in Paris, and, like, there's, like, there's this golden triangle, and I would just go walking, like, every day, and just Parisian fashion, and they're they're very into all their designers. And I was like, I didn't even know all these designers existed. Mm. I, like, grew up in the sticks. So there's that. <laughs> so when we're talking about estrogen dominance, yes. um, we took a little detour. <laughs> we're going to drive back around. So with estrogen dominance, it's one of the most common issues that we see in women. And so um, I actually, in retrospect, I'm like, I started the pill because I had periods that lasted more than seven days. I was in pain, hugging a heating pad plugged into the wall. So I'm laying on the floor, um, you know, popping all the Midol. My doctor's like, here's a pill. 
And like, you don't even have to like get your period if you don't want to. And I was like, sign me up for that. Like, that sounds amazing. So with estrogen dominance, there's a few ways this can develop. So one is you can have, so we talked about the menstrual cycle. You can have relative estrogen dominance. So you don't ovulate or your progesterone levels aren't ample enough. So, and that can be for a whole lot of reasons. So low in vitamin C, too much stress, not hanging out with your friends. So actually, uh, women are very social creatures. Uh, Hanging out with your friends can help bump your progesterone. And so if your progesterone's low, your estrogen may be fine, but relative to your progesterone, now you have PMS. Now, and when estrogen is off the chain, you are irritable, you are bloated, your breasts are swelling, your periods become heavy, they're clotty, you can have hot flashes, night sweats, you don't have to be in perimenopause for that. Um, You can have acne, you can have migraines, and the list just keeps going on. And for most women, they're past birth control. Now, you can also have frank estrogen dominance, which is where you just have way too much estrogen in your system. And as I talk about in both the liver chapter and the gut chapter, so like I do have to say, everyone's going to read this book and they're going to be like, wait a minute, why do we go right into liver and gut? Because if those aren't right, nothing's going to be right. Like, forget it. Like, game over. Like, you can't just go in and think you're going to fix your estrogen if you don't love up your gut and liver. So with that, we can have poor liver detoxification. We can have inability to clear estrogen from the gut. So that can be because you don't poop every day because you do need to poop every day or because you have dysbiosis. So bacteria make more beta-glucuronidase. Now that reactivates your estrogen, your liver's like, what? I just packaged that up to move it out. Now I'm dealing with more. Now, the other issue is we can have excess adiposity. So we have excess fat cells. They they like to make estrogen themselves and they're besties with estrogen because they're like, I'm gonna make estrogen. And the estrogen's like, I'm gonna help you get fatter. And fat cells are like, yeah, I'm gonna give some more estrogen. And it just keeps going like that. And then there's also environmental toxins. So like we, you start at the top of the show talking about how you can get these personal care products. Like this is an amazing thing to have access to because the stuff that we put on ourselves and I will out myself, like I thought all through my 20s, I was supposed to smell like, vanilla or berries and champagne. I don't know how I got it in my head. Some really good berries marketers. And sh- that's like the smell of the early 2000s. It's like if, if, <laughs> the year, if it had a theme, to you know, like a smell to the year, like a, it would be the berries and champagne for real. That whole year oh, smelled like that. Totally, right? Like, yeah, because every single woman was rocking it, thinking like that's what she's supposed to smell and then confusing our mates. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> tricky like that. So yeah, that's another way that you can develop estrogen dominance because these chemicals contain xenoestrogens. So they look like your estrogen, but they ain't totally your estrogen. Like they just mess with your receptors. And so there's several ways that we can develop estrogen dominance. I go through all of those in my book and help give women solutions. And the tricky one is, is that women will say to me, well, my doctor tested my labs and said my estrogen's normal, but I have all these estrogen dominance symptoms. Well, I take you through why that is in the liver chapter, birth control detox 101, Sorry, Harper one. Um, (laughs) So with that, I take you through it. And what your liver does with that estrogen matters. So if you're making more 16-hydroxyestrone or 16-OHE1, that's going to stimulate growth, growth of fibroids, growth of cysts, growth of breasts, growth of endometrium, which is the endometrial lining is the lining of the uterus. And that's why we'll see these really clotty periods. And, you know, I may be saying all this and women may have thought, oh, I thought this was normal. 
is, and part of that is because it may have been your experience, but the other part is we've been taught it's not polite to talk about periods. And even if it wasn't overt, believe me, the the commercials on you know TV, blow, they're, they're pouring blue Windex on a pad. Like that's a subtle message of like, your period is something to be ashamed of. Like you're not supposed to talk about these things. And to that, I'm like, why should, we create humans okay so like we birth the entire human race like the whole species is here because of us and a period is a part of that wow oh my goodness again mic drop that's a, <laughs> it's like four this episode already so we're so just powerful. getting started i got the jacket on <laughs> <laughs> um so listen i think that just to kind of take a step back because there's something really profound you said. Basically, estrogen can get recirculated mm -hmm. if we're not eliminating it. Because your liver wants to, uh, basically, it's part of the estrogen breakdown. Yep. And it wants it eliminated through the gastrointestinal tract. But if you're not ha having a clean, you know, basically getting that colon clean mm -hmm. regularly by getting rid of the waste, it can get recirculated. So what are a couple of things that we can do to support the liver? And then what are a couple of things we can do to support that evacuation of estrogen? Totally. You know what I had for breakfast this morning is I actually get this uh, organic turkey meat and then I put broccoli sprouts inside of it and I roll it up. I actually said on Instagram, it's it's like a healthy taquito, but my grandma would slap my face for saying that. She'd be like, that is, that is heresy. No. Um, so broccoli sprouts, like that's something like I know I'm traveling right now. A lot of people get constipated when they travel. Um, I don't know what I'm getting exposed to in the plane. I don't know what I'm getting exposed to anywhere. And so I jetted last night to Whole Foods and I picked that up. So your liver loves some broccoli sprouts, um, Christopher's veg vegetables in general. They, and understand this, um, you may be somebody who's like, I eat cruciferous vegetables, I get gas, bloating, Cruciferous vegetables are not the enemy. It's likely showing you that like there's an imbalance of gut flora. So you might have right. small intestinal bacterial overgrowth going on. Also understand that you have to have ample hydrochloric acid to do what you need to do with those cruciferous vegetables to create the ultimate end product, which is DIM, which is going to support liver detoxification. And this is important because I tell women you need to be eating these things while you're on the pill, but also understand that the way that the pill messes with your thyroid can actually mess with your hydrochloric acid. And so you may need to be taking, I know we're going to talk about that, um, but you may, may, may need to be taking a little bit of apple cider vinegar with that just to try to raise those HCL levels. So with that, that's one thing, getting your cruciferous vegetables in, that's going to support liver detox. Now, the other thing that's going to support liver detox is going to be B vitamins, also depleted by birth control. Um, so you can eat B vitamin rich food, but I want people to understand that if you are on a medication that depletes nutrients, you need to bring in a multivitamin or prenatal. It's just like, you know, and I've had doctors push back on me and they're like, why are you telling people to do that? Like, that's just expensive urine. I'm sure you've heard that before. And I'm like, okay, so you have a patient that's on metformin, a diabetic drug that depletes B12. What do you tell them? I tell them to take B12, right? You have a patient that's on a statin. We know it messes with CoQ10. That can be problematic. What do you tell them? I tell them to take CoQ10. You're on, you have put a woman on a medication that depletes selenium, zinc, B vitamins, uh, antioxidants, CoQ10, like all of these things. What do you tell her? Oh, yeah, yeah. You tell her that she needs to take a supplement because also the pill is only about 91% effective with typical use. So nine out of 100 women are gonna get pregnant on it. Like you need that folate weeks before you actually had a positive pregnancy test. So again, that was a little bit of a side tangent, but it's a good reason yeah. to get on a quality multivitamin or prenatal because what your liver needs is actually being depleted by birth control. So we've got the cruciferous vegetables, we've got the B vitamins. And then what else did I have for breakfast? I had 
turkey. I had organic turkey. You need amino acids. And this is the thing that like, whenever I hear about people that are like, I'm doing a juice fast for detoxing my liver, or I'm going to go, you know, completely plant-based, but they're not paying attention to their protein. I really try to drive home in the book. If you don't have amino acids, game over. Like your liver's not going to work right. Like you have to have protein involved in that. And as we were talking about, my research was in protein. So I'm a big fan of it. Ironically, I was a vegetarian at the time doing that research. And that's, I was like... That's poetry right there. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> because the, the duality in that. That's amazing. Yeah. You know? I was like, I was neurotic though about being a vegetarian in terms of getting enough protein. And so mm. it's something that like, I don't encourage people to count macros. I like people to be a little more intuitive with eating, but some people need that to get there. I'm like, I counted macros all through my 20s. That's because I was a vegetarian and I was very serious about like, and I knew my research and I was like, within 30 minutes of working out, I'm eating three hard boiled eggs. I have to get my branch chain amino acids. I want them to have the muscle gains. I don't want sarcopenic obesity. Um, if you don't know what that is, go Google it and the fear will be real for you too. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's so crazy how many different uh, functions that protein is involved in with the liver, mm-hmm. you know, like the livers just can't do certain things without it. And we know yeah. now just thanks to this. And also we had mutual friend on Alan Christensen recently and just did like a masterclass on liver function. So thank you so much for sharing that. I want to talk about the connection between the pill and the liver and how important testosterone is. And we're going to do that right after this quick break. So sit tight. We'll be right back. Don't sleep on sleep. Today, there is a big revolution happening to improve our sleep quality because we're understanding finally just how much our sleep quality impacts our physical performance, our brain function, and literally impacts our body composition. Sleep deprivation is something that can directly lead to increased fat gain and an inability to lose weight as well. With great sleep, we see an increased ability to burn fat, like the research that was done by the International Association for the Study of Obesity that found that our sleep quality, namely a sleep-related hormone called melatonin that everybody's heard of, increases your body's production of something called brown adipose tissue. This is a type of fat that actually burns fat. And the reason that it's brown versus the white adipose tissue is brown adipose tissue has a lot more mitochondria. And these are the energy power plants in our cells, very metabolically active tissue that we build more of when we get great sleep. Now. The issue today is getting that great sleep. And there's tons of lifestyle factors, but there's also a nutrition component. And there's a study that was published in the journal Pharmacology, Biochemistry and Behavior that found that the renowned medicinal mushroom Rishi was able to number one, significantly decrease sleep latency. This means you fall asleep faster when you have Rishi. They also found that this increased overall sleep time for study participants. And they found that this increased the sleep efficiency by improving the non-REM deep sleep and improving our light REM sleep as well. This comprehensive approach to improving sleep, it's not pounding our sleep into submission, what we see with conventional drugs and things of that nature, where it's kind of like pseudo sleep. This is actually improving your sleep quality, your sleep efficiency by utilizing Rishi. Now, the only Rishi that I use is from Four Sigmatic because it's dual extracted, where they're doing an alcohol extract and a hot water extract. So they're actually extracting all of the nutrients from the mushroom that you think you're getting with Company X, all right? You're actually getting those compounds. With the hot water extract, you're getting the beta-glucan related compounds. And then with the alcohol extract, you're getting more of the hormonal compounds. And I think these are really important for sleep, like the terpenes and things in that category and so much more. 
So make sure to use foursigmatic.com forward slash model to get your hands on this and so much more. So that's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash model. You get 15% off their Rishi elixir and all of their medicinal mushroom elixirs, coffees, hot cocos, and so much more. I love Four Sigmatic. I literally have them every single day, one of their different products. Today I had my Lion's Mane coffee mix. So, so good. And it has all of these benefits as well. If you're still drinking standard coffee, what are you doing? You need to get these benefits from the Four Sigmatic coffee mixes. Now, head over and check them out ASAP because these are absolutely game-changing. The coffee mix, great for in the morning, Rishi, great for in the evening and winding down. And they've got all of this research to back it up. And this is what it's all about, is having more education so that we're executing on the things that really do work, that have a clinically proven benefit, and we can actually enjoy ourselves and have a good time along the way. And again, that's foursigmatic.com forward slash model for 15% off everything. And now back to the show. All right, we're back and we're talking with Dr. Jolene Brighton about her new book, Beyond the Pill, mind-blowing stuff. All right, you got to get this in your library. And before the break, I was talking about this crazy connection between the liver and the pill and estrogen, but there's another hormone. Number one, let's talk about how important testosterone is for women mm-hmm. and how uh, the pill can influence how the liver is interacting with sex hormone binding globulin and potentially lower testosterone. Yeah, so this is like the real way that birth control works. So the pill really works by shutting down your libido. So that's how it really prevents pregnancy. I don't know if you knew that. Like a woman starts the pill, she has no interest. <laughs> I'm messing with you okay, right now. Okay, because I'm like, I was... <laughs> yeah, no. So no, it's supposed to prevent ovulation, but really like... How many women, uh, you know, you hear from that are like, I lost my libido and it didn't come back when I stopped birth control. Mm. Hormonal birth control can also lead to vaginal atrophy. So thinning of the tissue, pain with intercourse, pain with orgasm, which is like super lame that if you actually can achieve an orgasm, then it painful, it hurts. Like, what is that even about? This, these are the things we should know before we sign up for this. And as you get into the later part of my book, you'll see I prescribe orgasms a lot. They're the literal fountain of youth. Write that down. So everybody needs those. So with that, um, what was interesting in the research, so we know that when you start the pill, it'll shut down ovarian production of testosterone by about 50%. So now your ovaries aren't producing testosterone. Now we also have testosterone that can be made from the adrenal glands. So adrenal glands will make DHEA. DHEA is converted into testosterone and estrogen. Now with that, we've got the decrease in production Now you take hormonal birth control and as we were talking about with estrogen dominance, like you were sometimes given the pill for estrogen dominance symptoms and while it shuts down your natural estrogen, you just essentially got induced with estrogen dominance because again, it's a high enough dose of medication to shut down the brain and ovarian communication that it first has to pass through the liver. So liver takes one for the team. Like as long as you're on the pill, be loving your liver because it is like taking one for the team for sure. Now what the research has shown is that the pill will alter the genetic expression of sex hormone binding globulin. So at the genetic level, the pill is altering your liver's function. It also uh, impacts it at the structural level as we see more benign liver tumors coming up with women who start the pill. We never diagnosed as many as we did until the pill was introduced. So with that, you know, the research was like, okay, sex hormone binding globulin rises, which by the way, you know, some people are like, oh, that's, that's your body betraying you. Wrong. 
your body's trying to keep you safe. That is a whole lot of synthetic estrogen coming into the body. So your liver being super smart is like, let me make a protein that grabs onto that. But it happens to grab onto your testosterone as well. And so now your testosterone declines. And you know, people will say, well, you know, oh, I hate the story of like having a libido in a woman is like a nice, you know, benefit. Like most women don't have libidos. Not true. Not true. In fact, and that's the same time that they were like, your clitoris is just this little button that sits above your urethra. It is a giant structure. Like there's a lot more going on, like in women's health that we've not even been, you know, we haven't even begun to explore and all of that. So what was very interesting about this study though, sex hormone binding globulin goes up, then they said, well, when you come off, it'll come down. What they found is that that protein never returned to the pre-pill state. So the state of women who never took birth control, which means that it could continue to remain elevated and cause symptoms of low hormones. And with testosterone, it's not just about libido. It's about your brain health. It's your mood. It's why you get up every day and you just feel like you can take on the world. It gives you energy. Um, it's very, very important for your muscle mass. So without testosterone, we don't stimulate muscle mass. Without you know ample muscle mass, there's a whole lot of things that go wrong. But this is also where women can struggle with their weight and be perplexed why they can't get their uh, weight to come back down. And so, you know, it's very concerning to me that it's like, and this study was just kind of like, that's interesting. Keep on moving because it was a woman's sexual health issue is how they were looking at it. But testosterone is so much more than that. Wow. And this goes back to the connection between the pill and our liver function. Mm -hmm. And that was published in the Journal of Sexual Medicine. There's so many great uh, studies that you cite in the book, but your clinical experience, like you've been able to see this stuff firsthand and all of your protocols for supporting women who are, you know, if you choose to take the pill, if you've been off the pill for a while and are still experiencing health issues, if you're wanting to come off of it, you know, you've got something for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I just really appreciate that. So we've got to talk about the connection between the pill and the gut. Mm -hmm. And probably one of the most jarring things that I read in your book was uh, this connection with Crohn's disease. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that? Yeah, that was a shocker. That's a study out of Harvard where they showed, and what was really interesting is I started digging with into this when patient after patient was in their timeline. They're like, I started the pill several years later, new onset of autoimmune disease. So I talk, people have been shocked in my book. They're like, I thought this was going to talk about just the pill. You've got SIBO, you've got autoimmune disease. You talk about Hashimoto's, like there's all this information in there. And that's because it's all connected. So this study out of Harvard showed that after five years or more, if you had a family history of Crohn's disease, you had a 300% increased risk of developing Crohn's disease just by being on the pill. I have seen many patients who they have Crohn's disease and I asked them, how long were you on the pill? It's always more than five years. Although some of them, there was a patient that it was three years and then she developed Crohn's disease. So this is the kind of information that we need so that we can make that informed decision. Like, the pill is being passed as a one-size-fits-all, but we neglect that there is this family history there or there's environmental factors. Like when it comes to the breast cancer risk and they're like, oh, it's a minimal increased risk. And it's like, well, maybe, maybe. Where does she live? Like what else is going on in her life? And so Crohn's disease is absolutely something that needs to be talked about more. And why the researchers believe this develops is because it's well-documented. It decreases microbial diversity. So the gut 
the gut's going to be called the first brain. It's coming. I mean, if you look at it from an evolutionary perspective, every organism develops a gut before they develop a nervous system. So I think humans, I think we're going to have to change that around um, because the gut does everything. And that microbial diversity protects you from developing autoimmune disease. It keeps the immune system in check. You know, I, as I shared, I've been in this arena for a long time. You know, over a decade ago, when I was first learning about the microbiome, it went like this, and it still cracks me up. They're a bunch of freeloaders. They eat your food, and they give you a little bit of B vitamins. Other than that, they don't do much else. Anyone who offers a probiotic is a quack and a crazy person, and why would you feed them? Like, you, you if you just eat, you're feeding them. And now, to see that whole story turn around, and they're like, the microbiome is everything. So for everyone listening, understand that, like, if you've got a doctor who's dismissing you, if they say they don't believe something, you can just giggle a little bit because that's not science. That's a different philosophical approach that's called religion. And there's a time and a place for that. But understand that like we are constantly learning and we don't know everything, although we'd like to think that we do. But in the book, I go through, you know, uh, how do you develop autoimmune disease? So we've got leaky gut, we've got the genetic predisposition, and then we've got a triggering event. And for women, a triggering event might be getting pregnant, having a baby, starting your period, losing your period, uh, going into menopause or perimenopause, or starting or stopping hormonal birth control. And if hormonal birth control disrupts microbial diversity, induces intestinal hyperpermeability, which was, you know, is commonly known as leaky gut, which is once upon a time, no, it's still being dismissed. I think people are still dismissing it. They just need to go to PubMed and spend a weekend there. Um, but it's it's I already got those three ingredients and then it's a triggering event. Like if you've got the genetic predisposition, we need to start asking why it is that we're seeing women develop autoimmune disease and we have the introduction of the pill and that's part of the mix. Like, could that be a player? And how do we test women and monitor women? And that's something I advocate for. It is so short-sighted to test labs once we have symptoms. How do you ever know what your normal is? How do you ever know your baseline? Exactly. Oh, my goodness. And again, your protocols in here to address a lot of these issues are just so good. And you just stack it. I love that because, you know, the, the truth is there is no one-size-fits-all. And providing people with a lot of options is of the utmost importance. And I love that you mentioned that the gut might be potentially called the the brain, the true brain at some mm -hmm. point, you know, right now it's the enteric nervous system and, you know, it's the second brain, but yeah, it's so, so amazing. The more that you look into this and I just had Dr. Uh, Gundry on recently mm -hmm. and he's talking about this and this is groundbreaking research now that about 92% of the genes in our body are from the bacteria in our bodies. It's not even us, mm -hmm. but of course our, our genes and our genetic weight is much more uh, in a sense, but just thinking about that and, and how we relate to our gut and our microbiome and the bacteria, it's a whole bigger story here. So, And 1% of your genes is viral. So for people who are like wanting to wage war against viruses, I'm like, do you understand? You're part of virus. Against yourself. <laughs> so let's talk about what are, what are a few things we can do out there uh, in support of the people that we care about and also for the women that are listening to go beyond the pill. Mm -hmm. um, I wanna talk about number number one, some potential birth control options. And then what are just some other things that we can look towards? And uh, from there, you know, we can go ahead and, and wrap it up, which might be 
uh, prelude to what you're going to tell me. Oh, yeah. You better wrap it up. <laughs> so that's, I mean, this is like for real, though. Like uh, so many women are past the pill and then there is no discussion about sexually transmitted infections. And so nobody likes it when we talk about condoms and there's so many options out there. And uh, but I see like the, the conversation is really changing. I mean, I've had women in their, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s tell me like, you know, in my day, men would say, like, I don't do condoms. I just don't do that. And I'm like, okay, like that, like, like what you like have a choice in that? Like, no, that's not the way that works. But, um, and to hear the conversation is like more men are wanting to be active participants in pregnancy prevention and being sexually responsible. And so as you were talking about with what happened to your wife, you know, human papillomavirus, HPV, is what, you know, is the number one cause of cervical cancer, the number one sexually transmitted infection, and you're at higher risk of contracting that if you're on the pill. Using a condom is a good idea. Um, so that's one way. You know, if you don't want to do the pill, you can choose to use barrier methods. That's something that you want to employ if you go the fertility awareness method route. So I first want to say, I, I should have started with this, is that, but the wrap it up was just too good. I had to roll with it. Um, but is <laughs> yeah. that like, there, the, the, you know, the right birth control for you is, is going to have to be a personal decision based on your lifestyle factors and what's feasible for you. And you may read this entire book and decide it's the pill and you'll be like, okay, here's what I need to do to stay safe on it. But in chapter 13, I give you all the non-hormonal options that are out there and available. And there's new technologies coming out. We certainly need a lot more. But fertility awareness method is something that's been used for a very long time. I was taught to dismiss it. I was taught as a doctor, don't recommend it. I mean, you don't, you don't want unintended pregnancies, but every type of birth control comes with a side effect and a risk. Fertility awareness method, there's the risk of getting pregnant. As you'll read in chapter 13, when I say the pill, I'm like, go see chapters one through 12, like go back through and read this book. But um, fertility awareness method is one of my favorite ways to help women get in tune with their body mm -hmm. and really leverage their data. So what is it? I was just going to go okay, into that. Okay, okay, yeah, so yeah. I'm just I, I was just leaving seat. you on the hook on, there. On, yeah. On the um, so here's the thing. It is not just a calendar method where you guess, like you think, oh, okay, every 14 days, I'm, uh, you know, every day 14, I'm going to ovulate. But instead, you're tracking your data. So fertile cervical mucus, some women assess the position of their cervix. That's a little more complicated. But you can also be taking, you're going to take your basal body temperature in this as well. And what's really interesting is that with perfect use, it's over 99% effective which is the perfect use of the pill. And that was really eye-opening when I read that research. Um, just last in, last year in 2018, the FDA approved the first Femtech device as a contraceptive device. So this is a thermometer. You pop it under your tongue. You take your temperature. It compares your data to a database of other women and then lets you know. Are you in your fertile window or not? Do you need to avoid unprotected sex? Like, are you, Or do you, if you want to get pregnant, like, is this the time to try for that? So... That is, so I will say, I do love my femtech devices. However, we also need to know our body because yeah. technology can fail and nothing, nothing will ever outdo seeing that fertile cervical mucus being like, I'm in the mood. Oh yeah, you're, you're about to ovulate. Like that's a good sign. So fertility awareness method, we have barrier methods, uh, things like the cervical cap, that can work, but that risk of pregnancy is really high. So if that's your main goal, that's not going to be the route that you go. And then things like the copper IUD, that's the only non-hormonal IUD we have. Some women have issues with it. Other women do not. What I tell women is no matter what contraceptive you're going to choose, track your cycle for several months, get your baseline labs, if you're going to get the IUD, you're going to get, you know, you're going to end up, you know, getting on the pill, you're going to get a copper IUD, like whatever it is, continue to track your data. 
measure your labs again about six months later and ask the question, what's true for me? Is this working for me? And if you go to your doctor and you say, I'm having new onset of, let's say, mood symptoms, and they're like, well, it's not related, you probably want to talk to someone else because no one knows your body better than you. Not your doctor, not the lab who ran the test, not the lab data. That's one snapshot in time. So this is where we need to see women's medicine go. It's, it's ridiculous to me that when I started my clinical practice, women would call me up and say, I heard you're the doctor who believes women's birth control stories. I want, I want to make an appointment. And it was so weird to me. I'm like, why would you say that? And then once I sat in you know, the, the office with these women and heard their stories of how I got the IUD, I told my doctor the next month something wasn't right. And he told me, it's not the IUD. The IUD says that progestin stays localized. I giggle. I'm like, the uterus is not a vacuum container. It never has been. Um, and where's his research to back that up? And ha- have they actually looked at the metabolites? I mean, there's so many more questions to ask, but it's that women's stories get dismissed. And it's so ridiculous to me. You don't need a research study to believe your patient, to believe her experience. Oh my goodness. So powerful. And, you know, it just sounds like such a rogue idea for a woman to actually know her own cycle, Mm -hmm. you know, and this is something that throughout history was relevant. Today, the conversation has been skewed. Well, recently and today, more women are becoming aware of this. Because there is this, this you know, uh, calendar method and you start to learn your body. No, your fertility cycle. awareness method. Fertility awareness Otherwise, method. Otherwise, those fam educators will come hot and heavy on you and be like, you did not just say calendar method. My bad. My bad. <laughs> That's okay. I got you. <laughs> and so really understanding and in that fertile window, that's when you use a condom. You mm-hmm. know, it's really that simple if you're in a, you know, relationship. Or do something kind of else. Thing. Yeah, you know, go to a movie. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, just, I didn't mean that, I'm but just, like... <laughs> I'm just, I'm just PG-13, something else fun. <laughs> <laughs> and so just understanding these simple things and really, again, just getting back in tune with your body. And this is for everybody, really, because I truly feel that that is the number one uh, goal is to be able to just listen to the feedback from your body on what your body wants to eat, what your body wants as far as movement, because sometimes if we just get in this calendar method of like, you know, I'm training this, this, and this, and this, and your body's giving you feedback like, no, you need to rest or you need to do some active mm-hmm. recovery or whatever it is, and we just keep pushing through, you know, sometimes you can push through and actually break something, you know? And so um, just thank you so much for sharing this and putting this work together. I know that it was an incredible labor of love, but there's so much value in here. And if you could, um, I like, I've got one more question for you. Yeah. What is the model that you're here to set for other people with how you live your life personally? Mm, I think, you know, a big thing is to hold space and to try to understand other people's point of view. Um, it's something that a lot of people have watched the haters who come and then they're always like, you're so nice to them. And I'm like, well, whatever they said to me wasn't about me. And it, and if we can all come to this a place where we hold space to have a dialogue without judgment and to seek to understand that person's position while also respecting your own boundaries and saying, this is this is my boundary. I think that's, that's a really big piece of like how I'm trying to live my life going forward. And that and always honoring my truth of like what's true for me because that's what I want for all women is to honor their truth and to share their stories. And as you read in my book, 
I shared all about my vagina, and that was really hard to do uh, while I was on the pill, but it was something that I was like, you know, how many times have you said to a woman, share your story because you never know who's going to heal by hearing it? And so that's a piece is like share your truth, share your story, and if we can all hold space for that, we have an opportunity to learn, and we'll move so much faster, so much quicker in our knowledge and understanding. Perfect, perfect. Can you let everybody know where they can pick up your book and where they can connect with you online? Yeah, so you can grab Beyond the Pill anywhere that they sell books. Um, You can also get it at my website, which is drbrighton.com, D-R-B-R-I-G-H-T-E-N, and that is my main hub where I share a lot of information and free resources. You can also play with me on Instagram at Dr. Jolene Brighton, and then I put out educational videos on YouTube because I know we all learn differently, so you can find me there as well. Perfect. Uh, Again, I just appreciate you so much. This is a conversation that needs to be had. And I think it's going to change a lot of lives. And I think this is one of those books that's going to have a long ripple effect. And um, I just appreciate you. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you for those kind words. I appreciate the work you're doing in this world and for creating a platform where we can enter into a conversation with curiosity and create an impact on ourselves firstly and then globally. That's what it's all about. Thank you so much. Thank you. Everybody, thank you for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. Pick up this book like yesterday, all right? Beyond the Pill. Uh, It's loaded with critical information. And this is a book to give as a gift as well. Um, It's something that's very pervasive in our culture right now when we're talking about birth control. And it's usually prescribed for something other than controlling birth, all right? So the vast majority of cases. And we have to stop and think, is this appropriate? Are we addressing the underlying symptoms that are causing these issues that nobody wants to deal with, of course. And this isn't to say, again, she talks about this repeatedly, that the pill isn't an option, all right? So I just wanna make that clear, but we need to be more educated about this and about everything else, really, you know, because today, more than ever, this is a time of empowerment. It's a time to really step up and take full responsibility for our lives. And in particular, when it comes to our health, because without our health, we really don't have anything. I appreciate you so much for tuning into the show today. If you got a lot of value out of this, please share this out with your friends and family on social media. Tag me, tag Dr. Brighton on uh, social media, on Instagram. What's your Instagram? At Dr. Jolene Brighton. At Dr. Jolene Brighton. Tag me at Sean Model and let her know what you thought about the episode. And listen, we've got some powerhouse episodes coming your way. So make sure to stay tuned and be ready for that. But none more important than today. And again, pick up beyond the pill because you're going to absolutely love it. I appreciate you so very much for tuning into the show today. Take care, have an amazing day, and I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.